0: here. There's no uh, instruction book for this job. No one told us how to do this. And frankly, no one else does it around the world. I don't know, who are we actually representing? What do they think? How can we contact them? How can we ask them what, what they think? How do we then uh, convince all these SMEs that uh, they need an association, that they need someone to talk to, 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 talk, to talk on their behalf, to speak on their behalf? Honestly, the ICT sector wasn't some wasn't a thing at the moment. What is really tough is the fact that you will have competitors and most of your competitors will be organizations uh, which have much more money than you and which are actually paid by your worst enemies, by mainly the big tech companies, to claim they speak on behalf of SMEs. They pay 10, 20, 50,000 euros per year, even 100,000 euros per year to an association it's not a problem they will see the value of that money okay each company will see the value of that money and SME will not even give you one euro we have tried uh, to reinvent the the business of an association and what we said okay let's try to become an internet company there's a particular thing we have uh, which differentiates us from many other organizations uh, which
1: is Greetings, fellow interneted people. My name is andre doda, and today 's guest is Sebastiano Hello Sebastiano Hello andre nice, nice to meet to you. you Thank you thank you thank you for being here and Sebastiano, can you first tell us a little bit about yourself? What's your
0: story? Uh, it's inter- certainly interesting. Um, well, I come from Italy uh, mm-hmm. and uh, at some point I decided to move to, to Brussels um, because I wanted to see Europe, essentially. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I was in Belgium for a couple of years. Uh, I had a background as, a, as an industrial engineer. And I decided I should start working in the EU Euro- affairs uh, jobs in the EU affairs bubble because I was living in Brussels and I loved the city. I loved the people. It was inter- there is really a fantastic atmosphere really of Europe, of making of Europe, and I mm-hmm. wanted to be part of it. I said, okay, I should try, uh, even though I don't have a background in political science or, or law or anything like that, I can do it because I think, you know, I believe in the power of, uh, of human beings, in the power of myself. And so I tried, and I managed to get a job in the, in the EU first bubble, and mm-hmm. things developed. And then I, few, a few years later, I created my own organization, the European Digital SME Alliance, And, uh, and here
1: we are. Well, well, and, um, you noted a little bit about your organization, you, uh, Digital SME Alliance. Um, can you maybe tell us a little bit what that actually is? What is this organization and what is its history?
0: The European Digital SME Alliance. Mm-hmm. I mean, the name says it more or less. All it's a European organization. It's in, legally speaking, it's a non-for-profit association uh, that. Connects uh, digital SMEs from from the continent. So as I said, it's a non-for-profit international, non-for-profit association established uh, under Belgian law,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: the members are national associations or national clusters uh, of uh, tech digital mm-hmm. SMEs, so small and medium-sized enterprises in several European member countries and also a bit beyond. So. There are quite some uh, few neighboring countries which we joined us recently so um, we are in around thirty countries nowadays and uh, through these national members we represent uh, something like forty five thousand enterprises across across the continent
1: wow wow that's that's a lot um but You said something there that I just want to make sure that everybody is on the same page. You said that it's a not-for-profit organization registered in Belgium, correct? Correct. So that implies that it is not a European institution, per se.
0: It is not a European institution, it is a private uh, private organization, Mm -hmm. Uh, however, it does work with the European institutions. This is mm-hmm. the statutory purpose, mandate, if you like, uh, when it was created. We thought, okay, this is an organization which should be the interface for the European institutions to talk with one voice, uh, with you know, a very large community of, of SMEs. Of course, not every SME can afford to come to Brussels and do the lobbying Obviously. and talk to the politicians and to the officers and so on and so forth. And somebody needs to unite their voices, just to consult them, and they need to be able to speak with one voice. And that's what we try. we wanted to to be. And, you know, that's what we are trying to to do right now.
1: That is actually a really good idea, which uh, the way you put it is perfect. Because, yeah, you cannot, as a digital SME, you cannot take the time to actually do that every single day or every single month, um, at the very least. But I have to wonder, given that context, why digital SMEs? Why do you care about them and what made you get into this field?
0: Well, okay, the history why this happened dates back to probably 2005, 2006, Mm. those years, maybe even seven. There was a point in time in Brussels, I was already here, where Mm -hmm. There was a big political debate, the topic was software patents, so Mm -hmm. whether uh, software should be patentable or not patentable. And at that point, there was a very, very big lobbying campaign uh, run by Microsoft and probably other companies, but mainly Microsoft, who came to Brussels with a lot of people, a lot of lawyers, a lot of, uh, you know, fake SMEs. They mount a big, big campaign, especially vis-a-vis the European Parliament, because they wanted to convince Europe that software should be patentable. Uh, That was the the goal. And uh, I myself came into that debate a little bit, uh, although it was a bit marginal for me. I wasn't working for anything like this at the moment. I was working for... Another association representing SMEs, but it was not a tech, SM, digital mm-hmm, SMEs. It was just SMEs of any sector, and they were like, okay, but what is this discussion? I honestly, the ICT sector wasn't some, wasn't a thing at the moment, especially in Europe. We didn't have any, you know, yeah. Yeah. we didn't have a clue, honestly, what this was. The association came to me and said, okay, Sebastiano, you are one of the Youngest people here, you are the only one who understands a little bit about (laughs) this digital thing. Um, Can you help us a little bit? Um, They did take a position, in fact, against the patentability of software because they started hearing from developers and others that this would be a little bit dramatic. And in the end, uh, thanks to the position of that association and other voices, uh, the parliament voted against the patentability of software. Uh, but uh, that was the time when there was a the realization mm-hmm. that uh, Europe needed to have someone, a voice, uh, an organization to represent those guys because those guys were not just you know developers here and there. They were companies. They had an economic interest. They were you know in a sector which was growing very mm-hmm. fastly. At the time, maybe not so clear. And it all led to, I think it was around 2008, when with a bunch of uh, of people, we decided to create this organization. So th- that was a little bit the, the, the story. And uh, then since 2008, things have developed. Uh, we've been, it's been a small project for, for, for a few years. And and then probably it was back in two thousand eighteen, two thousand seventeen, when it started growing and becoming something you know more 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 visible. Hmm. That,
1: that that is absolutely fascinating. And usually in the European space, at the very least, you wouldn't necessarily think about lobbying because when you say lobbying, usually you think about the American kind. You think about uh, the things that happened uh, over the other side of the ocean. Uh, but I actually even experienced that myself. I was in uh, 2021 in Slovenia at a SME forum. Um, and there I actually met for the first time a representative from Amazon who was actually getting paid for the sole reason of lobbying. And that actually blew my mind. It does happen here in Europe and that is a great cause that uh, you are working on and thank you for that appreciate that you both respect and protect the rights of uh, of those people but maybe let's get a little bit into more of that who are the people that you're actually helping who are the people that you're actually providing for i'd imagine that when you design something uh, in uh uh, your organization, when you design a solution or a product to offer um, to offer them, I would des- I would imagine that you have a persona or an avatar in mind that you have a representation of what they look like and what they do on a daily basis, on how bu- how big their company is. Can you maybe help us with just a little bit of a representation of the persona?
0: It's a good question, Andre. Especially because you know I have a team uh, of of colleagues, and mostly they're young, and they just mm-hmm. join maybe. A year or a few months ago, and this is the type of question I get all the time. Because so, oh, Sebastiano, who are we actually representing? What do they think? How can yes. we contact them? How can we ask them what what they think about this? I say, okay, look, it's a bit difficult. First of all, because you know, how can you talk to forty-five thousand uh, companies? I mean, I don't even know uh, my, myself. And secondly, they you have we have to talk we have to talk to them via national national associations. Uh, which have their own diversities, their own culture, their own languages, their own complexities. And so, you know, there is a lot which you you learn about this avatar, as you call it, about this persona. Um, You learn um, in the years. Mm -hmm. I learned myself at the beginning I didn't know. Uh, They told me you have to represent uh, the digital SMEs. Okay, well, what do they think? Uh, Nobody was telling me, especially because imagine you have a a draft law. Mm -hmm. And the law is super technical. is is legalistic. No one, no one, no one is going. The law is never going to say yes. You can do this software, and you cannot do that software, or or whatever. The law is going to be super abstract. And you ask a normal SME, they will not know. No one knows what will be the concept. You ask Microsoft or you ask Amazon, they will have lawyers, specialized lobbyists, lobbyists people, and they will know. They will find out. Yep. Because they're professionals. And they have lived and worked all their life doing that specific thing, and they know what will be the consequences of a comma here or there uh, in maybe not tomorrow, but in ten years' time for their own company.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You ask this persona, this SME, they will not; they will have no clue. Um, so, uh, understanding what their ideas are, what their interests are, is, is a very complex thing, and I it took me. Years uh, it took me meeting and talking to you know a very large variety of people of entrepreneurs essentially okay tech entrepreneurs mm-hmm. from from all over Europe from all countries and you know going into this conversation talking to their associations as well okay because their associations have done a little bit this this journey you know to yep. try to understand what will be their interest. And, and very often, frankly, or also these associations would have worked also with the big guys huh? uh, because sometimes uh, the big guys try to be a member in that association or they are a member in that association and they have positions. And I myself have met a lot of these lobbyists from Amazon, Microsoft, and so on in mm-hmm. Brussels. Mm-hmm. And I love to talk to them because by talking to them, you understand the consequences of... Uh, laws text which is completely abstract and non understandable okay mm-hmm. but by, by, by talking to them and understanding their narrative their stories uh, you see what they what the consequences they, they predict the consequences will be for their businesses
1: mm-hmm.
0: and by understanding what businesses they have uh, their platforms and so on then you can very often understand what will be the consequences on the SME so you know it's it's super difficult to find out what will be the interest of this type of constituency? You have to talk to many experts. You have to talk to many people. Those are against. Those who are in favor. And and the, the entrepreneurs, of course. Uh, and you know, by uh, p- putting the dots together, uniting mm-hmm. the dots, you try to to to, to visualize you know, a puzzle uh, that slowly comes across, okay, Uh, but it's not an easy thing. There's no, there's no, what I always tell my team here, there's no uh, instruction book for this Mm -hmm. job. No one told us how to do this. And frankly, no one else does it around the world. If I have to say, I've been looking for like-minded organizations all around the world, in the US, in Asia, in South, in South, South America, in Africa, in Middle East, wherever. There is no other organization that does that. There's no history of representation of SMEs. There are, of course, uh, chambers of commerce, there are SME associations, whatever, mm-hmm. but they do services. They do you know, very concrete things. Yep. They have to pay taxes or uh, they give you, I don't know, uh, information about trade, uh, whatever. Uh, they give you concrete concrete support. They don't give you the representation, so Europe has a bit of history of that um, mm-hmm. but trying to represent uh, companies in this sector uh, I think this is a, this, this is really the first time someone does it. That's why I said in the beginning it's a very interesting job because it's nothing that anyone else did before, and you have to learn every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have to find out every day what the next thing will be. What will you say in the interview with Andre? What will you say when you talk to the politician? Uh, what will you say when a new proposed law will come out, and what will be your position? who knows hmm. you You have to do a lot of a lot of thinking essentially
1: interesting, interesting, and definitely uh, as far as my research uh, has gone so far, I have not seen any such organization until now. Anywhere in the world, you are definitely right, and especially not at this scale. Again, we're talking about 45,000 SMEs, that's a lot. And in order to just ensure that everybody well, at least the most relevant of voices are listened to, that takes a lot of energy. 45,000 SMEs, that is a lot. How does your organization attempt to collect and to make sure that you keep listening to the smes that you represent
0: well yes we have a few processes in place Mm -hmm. and uh, it is complex but uh you can do it Uh, essentially we have uh, first of all we have national members so we are asking the me- national members to do their own surveys, to do their own consultations, to tell us what their opinions will be. Uh, these national members, as I said, are national associations, and so they have their own their own internal structures, so yep. to say, uh, to do that. Uh, but that will not be enough. That will not be enough because very often in, in those organizations you won't have. It's going to be difficult to find someone who really focuses and understands uh, the the issues about European laws or exactly. whatever, European policies and so on. Again, you don't have the Amazons in those memberships, so you will not find people with the knowledge. Professionals paid to, you know... Uh, dissect and digest uh, draft European legislation, you won't have these people. So uh, we have that level and then we have another level, which is um, a number of working groups. Um, Mm -hmm. Working groups are places populated by essentially experts, uh, which are SMEs, people from associations, etc. Um, SMEs themselves, uh, we have sometimes in these groups uh, up to, I don't know, 150, 200 people registered who participate in meetings. We do, you know, we regularly uh, organize short meetings, online meetings with them to talk about specific topics, no? To talk about, okay, there is going to be... And we will invite someone from the European Commission, from the European Parliament, someone to present uh, a a project, a proposal, Uh, for a new legislation, for instance, okay, they will come up with, the, with a slide, this presentation. They will say, okay, we're going to we intend to do this, this, and that, and then we we'll say, well, what do you think? And uh, We have discussions with these people. These people are a bit more, you know, educated than the average, so that these are people who, you know, are prepared to understand about these topics. Some SMEs, I have to say, recently, uh, they start being smarter. Okay, they start those a bit grown up. Huh? Companies mm-hmm. fifty people or more, more they start sometimes hiring even professional lobbyists or lawyers, people who really understand laws. And and so when you start having those clever people or educated people around around, uh, the table, then you can have an informed conversation with them, okay? And this Mm is what we try to do in our working groups. Um, So we have thematic working groups, so we have a working group on, I don't know, on cybersecurity and data. We have a group working group uh, on artificial intelligence, on blockchain. Uh, There are 10 uh, 10 of them on on Mm -hmm. different different topics. And we try each of the working group to have its own life, to to be populated with good experts. uh, Because thanks to these people, we are able to form, uh, you know, informed uh, and valuable positions. Okay. Yep. Because if you don't have a strong and well argued and well justified position, you cannot just say, "Ah, yeah, SMEs want to pay less," or "SMEs need less bureaucracy," or "We need more funding for SMEs." Everyone can say that, right? It's very easy. True. But if you go to a, if you go to government, to the European Commission or to your government, and say that, say, "Okay, okay, tell me how to do it," because these things, everyone can say. Every politician can say those things. But how do you do that in practice? And when you will talk to the lobbyists of Amazon and Microsoft, they will tell you in detail, ah, you have to change this comma and that comma in that specific law, in articles, such and such. If you get to that level of granularity, then Mm -hmm. you can have an influence. Hmm. If not, if you only do the claims, more money for SMEs, more projects, more whatever, Mm, everyone you say, "Okay, thank you very much, Sebastiano. This is very, very useful," but uh, they will not do anything with it. You see, so this is where you become effective uh, as a lobbying organization <laughs> when you are able to to elaborate very concrete and sophisticated proposals. When you create your own narrative, when you convince people, when you change their minds, and 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 that's that's not easy.
1: Uh, absolutely, for certain it is not easy and especially even if you have uh, representatives which already know what they're talking about even if you have a group of 100 150 people that meet and are already experts on the topic that is still not easy to uh, propose anything from a legislative point of view so the work you do is absolutely relevant it's absolutely important at the european level But I I just need to make sure that we're on the same page. Do you view your organization as a lobbying organization? Or what do you feel like is the value you you provide for the entrepreneur, for the digital SME? How do you aim to empower the people that you help?
0: Okay, I mean, the word lobbying isn't particularly popular, okay? Yeah. Perhaps you can use the word advocacy, okay? Mm. Or representation, okay? Mm-hmm. Because this is a bit nicer. Uh, but then, of course, uh, if we talk to, you know, SMEs, and we will try to say, okay, now, now each of you, each of you 45,000 SMEs will pay me one euro or 10 euro uh, to to lobby for you, to represent you. I can tell you already, no one is going to give me anything. Okay. Uh, or, uh, or very few will. And in any case, the cost of transaction, the cost of me convincing every single entrepreneur to give me one euro. I mean, there are millions of SMEs out there. If every SME will give me one euro, we will be very rich. We will be the richest organization in Brussels. <laughs> but the cost of transaction is too high. Yep. If I just talk to one person to give me one euro, this will cost me more than one euro. right? So it's, it doesn't make sense. Uh, um, so we have to uh, we have to sell a little bit of service, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, if we sell the service of representation, we learned I learned that most SMEs will not be interested. Hmm. Okay, they will say no, it's not for me because others will do it. First of all, or because maybe you know I don't know. I I only see a few months or a year from now, because I don't know where my business is going. Maybe I will sell, maybe I will go bankrupt, but I don't know. And so if you change the law, which will have impact in three, five, 10 years, who cares, mm-hmm. not my business, and most of them will not even understand that you can modify laws to favor one company or another. Yep. This is very important because those big guys, yes, they are very innovative and no one, no one contest that they have a lot of technology, but they have been very good at lobbying. They have mm-hmm. been very good at making sure the U.S. and the European government make very good laws for them. They are completely sometimes competing against SMEs sometimes in a very unfair manner. Okay, this has been to be very, very clear because they're better at the lobbying. Yeah, how do we then uh, convince all these SMEs that uh, they need an association, that they need someone to talk to, to, to talk, to talk on their behalf, to speak on their behalf? Well, we we need to 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 empower them. We need to start offering uh, services which uh, are better understood. Okay, uh, because the lobbying service is not understood. So we have to um, we have to offer a, a, a larger variety of, of things. And one thing we offer, for instance, uh, is the European funding. So what we give SMEs is. Unique opportunities to access funding. We don't give them the, you know, the calls which are public, uh, publicly available, and they can just Google and find. We give them opportunities which are not which are not published. We put them in contact with other SMEs they, so that they can create a consortium and they can run for European for a European project. This no no one else does. Okay, um, so we give them things that no one else can give. We can give only because we are in Brussels, and then we can talk to the institutions and propose new projects. Say, okay, we need you to fund this new project because. Uh, if you do that, you will help not just one SME, but maybe a large variety, a large community of of SMEs which want to invest in new technology. Let me give you a, a very simple example. Years ago, um, you know now, everyone, I mean, it's an old technology now, uh, um, radio frequency identification, the RFID with the one used in IoT and so on. I remember like 15 years ago, no one was talking about it. Okay, it was and especially it was not clear that you could use this in an SME. So we started going in a few conferences organized by the European Commission saying, okay, look, we think RFID is a good technology because it can help SMEs do, you know, in in logistics, in many sectors, tracking products and so on. Uh, People say, oh, interesting. We never think about RFID could be interesting for SMEs. A year after what happened, the Commission, all of a sudden, they published a call for, you know, uh, a, a project to showcase RFID technology in SMEs. And of course, we went, we won the call, but the call was inspired by us. OK, so we coordinated a project of a few million euros. I was the coordinator. Uh, it was called RFID ROI, SME Return on Investment SME. And we showcased the imp- implementation of, of RFID in SMEs from five or seven different sectors in, 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 in five European countries. Uh, we showed videos, a lot of reports, and it was, it was fantastic. It was the result of a lobbying activity on behalf of SMEs to help SMEs. So we got the money to do it, right? And so you have to create stories. You have to create a narrative like that. So you have to help SMEs with funding. And then we try to help SMEs with networking. We try to say, okay, we are a platform at European level. We are at European level. And uh, if you are an SME, you look for partners in another country, you look for a a business, uh, to do business with someone else, you can use this network uh, to find partners elsewhere. Okay? So, you know, this has nothing to do with lobbying, but it's a service that we can offer as a European association.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I think you pointed out something especially interesting, uh, especially for an organization that uh, is your size, I mean, and uh, you did expand into not only advocacy, but also other things. And I think this is a great transition towards talking about what is on your digital platform, the digital platform of digital SME Alliance. Um, can you maybe help us better understand what are the different sections on your platform? What are the different things specifically that you offer? How, how do you categorize them?
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, we rightly saw so. we have tried uh, to reinvent the the business of an association, yep. okay, yep. especially classes-based association. And what have we said, okay, let's try to become an internet company,
1: mm-hmm.
0: okay. Uh, let's try first of all, let's try not to work only with uh, a limited number of members, you know. I said earlier we have the national members of the national associations and they are not infinite. Uh, there are about no. thirty. Uh, okay, so let's we can work with these guys only on also on a one to one basis. Also just by normal emails, you know the traditional ways, mm-hmm. phone calls, whatever. But let's try uh, to become a platform. Let's mm-hmm. try to become an internet company. So let's try to scale up and work one to many mm-hmm. uh, or not one to few. Um, or one-to-one. And so we started opening up uh, a a membership scheme for SMEs themselves, okay? And when you do that, and you know that you have a potential audience of 45,000, you have to start thinking about how you do it, because of course you cannot cannot work one-to-one, you have to work Uh, one-to-many. It has to be highly scalable. And so we said, okay, let's change completely the way we work, let's become an internet company, let's create a platform online, and let's let uh, the interactions happen there and, and this is of course as you can imagine it's a very difficult exercise when you have to you know change completely the way people work Absolutely. and you know, even now say, oh, but i'm gonna send an email you, know, you can send an email yes but you need to create a form online so you let people you know fill it in and give you the data in in, in, a, in a way that then mm-hmm. you can extract and so on Um, so that Uh, now is in place and it does work and we start offering services, uh, now the latest service we are offering via the platform is what we have called uh, a very simple series of events which is called present your business, P-Y-B present your business is a one hour event which happens every month on the same date, same hour and present your business means it's a networking opportunity, Mm -hmm. you go there and there are going to be four or five uh, businesses which present themselves to other businesses. So you can just register online, either you are a presenter or you are the audience. If you want to meet other companies in the ICT sector, mm-hmm. this is a very simple a very simple solution. It is scalable because it's always the same thing. And, yeah. uh, and we'll, we'll, it happens uh, repeatedly. And once you do that internally, once you set it up, the work is done. Uh, everything else is done by, essentially by the software, right? Um, so this is this is an example of, uh, of a simple, you know, platformization, so to say, of, of the business that you mm-hmm. will do. We took the, frankly, we took the, the inspiration from some uh, association at national level, which told me they do something similar, uh, not even uh, online, they do it in person. And uh, every month they let oh. their member companies meet each other so, okay let's let's do that the same way, but we do it internationally we do it at European level and we do it online and we do it you know in a scalable way and um, so that's the an, an example of how you can use technologies
1: i think i think nowadays and it's interesting the way you put that uh, you said that you are attempting to be more of an uh what was your, what were your words? Internet company. Uh, And and I think that's that's the thing that really intrigues me as well, because whenever I go to your site, whenever I see your digital presence, I don't really feel like I'm, listening to uh, an NGO necessarily. I, I feel like I'm listening to the innovative spirit of a startup rather, which is fantastic that you're doing that. And uh, regarding your platform, if I may just, uh, I was deeply intrigued in one aspect of your platform, namely the membership side. And more specifically, the fact that you oper- you offer two types of memberships. Uh, you have one for hubs, clusters and associations, and you have another one for uh, individual startups and research institutions. Can you maybe help us understand why are those different uh, offerings and what each offering uh, gives you?
0: Okay, let me correct you. The second option is membership for companies, yep. startups or SMEs. Um, we don't really associate researchers. Okay. Uh, but, the, the, but the distinction is correct. Uh, mm-hmm. We have the, the national associations, hubs, clusters on one hand. These are what we call the intermediaries, those who will yep. have themselves a community. You know? Each of them will have a community of SMEs. And, and then the individual companies. Um, and we offer, as I said, initially the association was the alliance was created only by these guys only by the national associations yep but then we realized okay we we will only have a, a limited amount of these guys because first of all there are not infinite in Europe uh, in or in the countries um, whereas these guys are where we can grow okay so the, the real SMEs and so we started working from here, as a as a traditional business, if you like, uh, mm-hmm. to this level, the level of the real the forty five thousand or the millions potentially of SMEs, and there you have to do the the, the platformization. <laughs> there you have to become an internet company. So nowadays we offer the two the two types of membership, and they are very complementary. Both of them are absolutely, absolutely. necessary. Yeah. These guys very often the, the the associations, very often are those who bear you know some also i would say representativeness because they have membership with you know thousands of of, of small medium-sized enterprises they are uh, they have a reputation also vis-a-vis their national governments uh, as representative of their sector uh, you know they have an important role so we need these guys to ensure that we as a european alliance have the representativeness we are you know uh, considered a an established organization which can talk on behalf mm-hmm. of the community. We have a democratic uh, bottom-up approach. So we, we, our decisions are taken by these guys. But then we need also the, the real SMEs because we need people uh, with knowledge. We need people uh, who participate in our groups uh, to, to give us, you know, ideas and so on. And we need, for instance, we need a lot of people when we do uh, the real lobbying in Brussels. Yep. You need You need to do events. You need to do a workshop. You need to invite uh, the commissioner or someone to come and speak. Uh, but the guy cannot just or cannot just speak to me. Yeah. He has to speak to the real SMEs because they like to see the real entrepreneurs. Maybe the real entrepreneurs are not really aware of all the nitty gritties of the legislation, right? But you need to bring in the real entrepreneurs. You need to train them. You need to tell them, okay, this is this is more or less what you should be saying. This is okay. This is what the guy wants to hear. And you need to create these 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 stories, huh? You need to you need to show the, the companies and and you know the real the real the real stories the real entrepreneurs coming from from all over Europe, not just from one country, but from all over. Because this is how you create your reputation, you create your credibility, they will trust you if you have if you have this real membership. If you don't have it, you say, Okay, it's Sebastiano, it's you. You are you say you represent 45,000, but where are the 45,000? Show us the 45,000, exactly. and so you have to bring in the 45,000. That's why we are doing our summit. This is called Digital SME Summit in November on the 13th of November, and I hope you you, you will come, Andre, and, and and many people will join us. We're going to have commissioners. Uh, we're going to have a lot of people. Uh, it's here in Brussels, but we'd love to have the real guys. We mm-hmm. don't want to have... I know I can fill... I mean, we have a room for 200 people. I know I can fill the room with 200 people from the Brussels bubble. But I don't want these guys. These are the lobbyists. They will, the journalists, the people, who, the, the civil servants, the people who work in Brussels. I know they will... If I open the, the, the registration tomorrow, they will, they will fill it in in two days. I know. But I don't want these guys. I want the real companies to come in. Because they are those who are going to demonstrate that we are a real SME association. They are those who will really have an exchange with the politicians, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And they are those who are never in Brussels. They are those who are the, you know, everyone, it's a lip service. Everyone talks SME, SME, SME. Everyone, every politician, but have they ever seen an SME? I don't know. Okay, so at least not in Brussels. (laughs) And so we... (laughs) to bring those real guys to talk to the decision makers.
1: Hmm. That, that That is fascinating. And yeah, obviously, if you do represent the interests of that many companies, obviously, they would need real stories, real people to tell those stories of what they are actually trying to build and what they need in order to accomplish what they're trying to build. And I believe your um uh, Membership offerings are exceptional at uh, supporting those efforts. And uh, on this note, I know that your membership is uh, also paid, if I remember that correctly. Um, And if that would be, uh, I think that would be an interesting conversation to have. Uh, As you said earlier, you think of yourself more like an Internet company rather than a traditional NGO, uh, which Again, fascinating, but that also opens up the conversation about how do you think about revenue and how do you ensure that it is sustainable revenue uh, for your organization? Um, can you maybe help us understand the pie chart of your yearly revenue? How is that distributed?
0: Okay. Well, you know, this is a very, a very good question, a very interesting one because we are. You know, very big mm-hmm. as an association in Brussels compared yep. to, you know, the likes, the association, especially those who represent the SMEs, okay, because the business model is very difficult to, to sustain. Yep. Okay. Because it's very clear that, as I said earlier, no SME will ever pay for representation services or very few, right? Um, and. Your competitor, our competitors, are going to be associations representing large companies Okay? And these associations, there's one very known in Brussels, which you may have heard, it's called Digital Europe Okay? Mm-hmm. They have, you know, 10 times more budgets than us, 10 times more people Why? Because their members are the big tech corporations from the Europe, some from US, from China, from everywhere Okay? They're called digital Europe, though I would say they are digital China, digital US, but they are still called digital Europe, right? But these are our competitors, and so we have to uh, raise funds, create a successful business model, mm-hmm. compete with these guys. Because if you are not the same number, they will just, you know, they will be everywhere, and uh, no one will hear our voice. So how do we do that? Uh, You know, and this is what the innovations we have tried to put in in the last last few years. Uh, We started working a little bit differently. Uh, The traditional business model of an association is, in my opinion, deemed to fail because, especially with the small... You can convince big companies to pay. You can convince them to pay a lot of money. Mm -hmm. They pay 10, 20, 50,000 euros per year, even 100,000 euros per year to an association. It's not a problem they will see the value of that money, okay? Each company will see the value of that money. And SME will not even give you one euro, okay? Yep. This is the difference. Uh, so how do you convince them? As I said earlier, you have to build a, a, a value offering, which is not just the representation, it's not just advocacy or lobbying, whatever you want to call it, because that's not going to work. You have to create a, a number of other services around it uh, so that it makes sense for them. And, and then you have to differentiate a little bit your your sources of income. Um, and namely, what we started to do a few years ago was, okay, we so saw a lot of consultancies uh, working uh, in Brussels, uh, uh, being extremely well-organized and professional in getting contracts from the European institutions. So sometimes these consultancies were taking contracts for... I don't know, studies or research, which were, you know, uh, about uh, topics which are very relevant for us, topics about how do you uh, grow the digital SMEs in Europe, or how do you transfer the skills to SMEs in Europe, or whatever, uh, very much relevant to what we do. I okay, why do we have to, every time these consultancies were winning the contracts, then the ne- day after they were coming to me, Sebastian, we have to do an interview with you. Yes, okay, where is the money? you getting a million euro for do, to do this study, and I get nothing. And every single sec- sec- second day, I get an email saying, Sebastiano, you're invited to an interview. It's a very important interview because the interview will, uh, will feed the study for the European Commission, whatever. But okay, but you're getting a million euro. You're getting a big contract, and I'm not getting anything, and you are extracting value from me every second day, and I'm not getting anything out of it. And then say uh, another email say, oh, you have to consult, you have to send a survey to your members, to your 45,000 companies. Every one of them should fill in this form, uh, this survey, because it's an important topic. It's going to be very relevant for them. If they don't change this legislation, this is going to kill them. So you have to convince them, Sebastiano, to fill in the survey. Okay, but you're getting paid to do that. And none of these guys, none of these SMEs are getting paid to, to fill in your survey. So there's something that doesn't work there, right? And so we said, okay, let's organize ourselves, let's start working as a consultancy, and let's hire clever people, and let's go into that business as well. And so we start running for public calls uh, for tenders Mm -hmm. and start winning, Uh, okay? And so this is, you know, one of the ways we we have fought, okay? And now we are good because now we have a good team. And we are on the market, and they know us. Uh, and, and when they want to win one of those contracts, they call us. Okay, we want to be in a consortium with you because uh, we know that otherwise it's going to be difficult to win. Okay, so but of course, if you are just alone, if a one-man show, you, you know, it's not going to work. So it, it took a few a few years to to, to get to, to that stage, but but now we are there, and so this is, you know, a source of uh, of of. Uh, of funding, which, of course, uh, matches the one, you know, contributes as well as to, mm-hmm. to, to the funding, which can come from from membership. And uh, likewise, you know, we have to sell services, um, you know, coherent with our, coherently with our identity, with our mandate. Uh, we cannot work, we cannot take money from big companies, uh, we cannot take money from, especially from big tech. Um so we have a few constraints, but you know we try to you know uh, sell services wherever we can to make sure we have a sustainable business model with the different diversification of sources which makes us uh, sustainable and let us, and this diversification of sources has let us grow in the last years
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, quite steadily so that uh, you know we can be a financially viable organization because you can have all the best, you can be an NGO, as you said, have all the best ideas in the world, but if you don't secure uh, money to be financially sustainable, then you are gonna be invisible. Mm-hmm. Right, So, yeah.
1: But is that majority of the funding coming from membership? Is it coming from tenders? Uh, just the majority of it? At the moment,
0: I would say the majority of the funding, more than fifty percent, comes from uh, from contracts. Um, hmm. Again, contracts with the institutions, especially with the European Commission, uh, funded projects, funded projects to help SMEs, huh? uh, to help SMEs in the in the representation. Um, we have, namely, one very important important contract, which is paying us to represent the interest of SMEs in standardization. So, in the development Mm -hmm. of new ICT standards, you know, what happens in ISO, IC, or San San the European or International Standards Organization, even in um, W3C, IEEE, etc., in the standardization organizations there has been, a few years ago, a, a recognition by the European institutions that these standards are developed are developed by industry, but that SMEs are not sufficiently represented in, in this, in this, in this work. And standards in European legislation are very important because they are used differently from elsewhere, differently from the US or other yep. countries. Yep. They are used to demonstrate compliance with legislation. So they, 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 the legislator, the European legislator, has sometimes given the pen to the standardization bodies to write the specifications. This is this is, this is this is this is this is in the law, and so they cannot delegate someone else to write the laws or the specifications to comply with the law. They cannot delegate someone else that uh, does not represent all the parties. Okay, so especially. A party, the SMEs, which is super important because SMEs represent ninety eight percent of all the companies, and if they are not sitting around in the table that which is defining the standards, it's a big problem. Okay, <laughs> because you are missing ninety eight percent of the stakeholders. So we get. Um, a contract to to, to, to get to, to, to support us representing those guys so with this money we can pay experts uh, we can we can we can travel we can do you know we can write uh, documents uh, uh, we can write contributions to, to standards and so on uh, so this is a very good uh, source of public funding which is to do exactly what we should be doing with the private money. But, as I said, there is a market failure, so the market of SMEs is not prepared to pay for their representation, not entirely, at least. Mm -hmm. So, this is a very good public intervention, so to say. If you like, uh, it's similar in many countries. I don't know the situation in Romania, but especially in the former West European member states, uh, the unions, okay, they are recognized as a public interest. And... But which worker will ever pay a union enough to, unless they are obliged by the law, they will not pay, right? To to represent their interest in the the collective bargaining, in the negotiation and so on. So the unions are very typically, either they they get mandatory membership fees because every worker has to pay the union because otherwise, eh? or the union is subsidized by the state. And here we have a very similar situation. You know, we are representing a stakeholder which doesn't pay for its own representation, doesn't pay enough for its own representation. So the state is supporting us to make that work because there is a, a, a the, the the value of that work is uh, in in the good of in, for the good of everyone.
1: I think that uh, that example with the union is well, not necessarily an analogy. But it's a great way to represent um, how to think about what you do. But also, I, I think that also points to something really important. You gather all of your members, all 45,000 of your members in one place, and you actually get them to offer their points of view in one place. That's almost 30 countries. Uh, 30 different countries that you gather in one platform to offer their points of view on what should be done. That, dare I say, also gives you the status of the largest operator, ecosystem operator of digital SMEs in Europe, as far as I'm aware. Um, Would you consider yourself an ecosystem operator, would you consider your organization as the operator in this ecosystem of digital SMEs? Uh, I would say it's
0: a strong statement. Uh, (laughs) I I think we aim to be Mm -hmm. um, the ecosystem operator. Uh, Certainly, we are the only organization that does the representation of interest, for sure. Now, working at an ecosystem level probably has a bit more breadth. Uh, uh, we are not really a marketplace uh, for transactions among among SMEs, mm-hmm. except the you know collection of opinions and the representation. Um, so, yeah, I mean perhaps we try to develop uh, to, to, to develop into that mm-hmm. um, in a few years um, we are certainly you know as I said earlier we are certainly trying to strengthen this uh, platform uh, platformization of our, of our work um, and we try to become that ecosystem operator uh, but, okay uh, I mean in my opinion there are very few, Ecosystem operators, which I would say are the large online mm-hmm. platforms, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the GAFAM, for instance, uh, the, 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 you know, with the app stores and so on, yep. these are ecosystem operators, in my opinion. If you are at that level, then you can control an ecosystem. Um, if not, yeah, you're just... You can try, and as many <laughs> I would say, uh, internet companies, as, may, as many startups try uh, to, to to be to be the, to be the, the next big platform. We also try. Um, I mean, it's we know this is a, you know it's a bet. It's a very difficult thing, and only only very few uh, have succeeded until now to become the platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We, we know what we are trying to do as, as an NGO, as a not-for-profit organization is, is going in that direction.
1: And as a not-for-profit um, and with the hat of, dare I say, a internet company, uh, given that you are trying to balance this dichotomy, uh, that also brings with it uh, the fact that you uh, are in the European Union and you operate under the European Union, that also brings with it a lot of bureaucracy, because uh, uh, that's, uh, that's the reality of any not-for-profit, and especially one that does as many things as you do. Now, on this spectrum between checking all of the boxes and making sure that we are overly bureaucratic and being as fast as possible and as nimble as possible and as agile and able to uh, iterate fast, where would you find yourself on this spectrum? Where would the Digital SME Alliance find itself on this spectrum? Uh, We find ourselves rather on the
0: agile side. I mean, I'm saying this very clearly because this is a discussion we often have also internally. the only way we can be successful in our in our market yep. say, is competing with the other organizations doing lobbying uh, in Brussels, especially those who represent the big companies. Uh, we can only be successful if we are fast, if we are agile, if we, you know, Absolutely. Quickly, because we are going to be, always have a disparity of means, uh, of resources. This is, this is a Goliath situation, it's very clear. And so we can only be successful if we if we are fast faster than them. And very often I see that also in, in many other non for profit associations, you know, the bureaucracy is, is is also an excuse not to do things. Huh? Because uh, I cannot do anything because I don't have time to consult my members. I don't have time uh, to, to 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 do this to do that. Sure, you can always say you don't have time. And it's a very good excuse, um, but if we were using that excuse, then we wouldn't do anything. And a yep. particular thing we have, uh, which differentiates us from many other organizations, uh, which is that, uh, mm, yes, we have our own processes, no bottom-up processes, democratic processes to decide our positions and so on. True. And we certainly we maintain that. Even when we know that that process is, you know, um, sort of uh, taking time, as you said, and making things a bit slower, uh, we have to maintain. And that is something that almost every serious uh, organization has, uh, association has, and have to have to be credible. Okay, not all, yeah. are, all not all of Absolutely. them have it, but, but but differently from the others, um, we have a very specific thing, which is that. Uh, the, the, the mandate we have from our members is a mandate of trust. Hmm. So, an association of big companies, what they would say is, okay, your members are the big companies, the Amazons, have, uh, Microsoft, and so on. So, they will tell you what to say. Mm-hmm. They will dictate your position because they will have experts. Yeah, They will have the best experts in the world, the, the mm. better paid people in the world. We are talking about salaries of you know 100 k's, 200 k's, 300 k's just to be the lobbyist of these guys.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So they will be able to tell you exactly what you what they want your association to say. Okay, and <clears throat> your job is going to be to negotiate among the different members. And if you're if you are good, you can find common ground. In our case. Uh, it's a bit of a different story because we have a mandate of trust, meaning uh, that we are told by our members, Say, Sebastiano, we don't have the money to be in Brussels. We don't have the resources to understand what are the issues which are going to affect our companies. Uh, we cannot analyze all the legislation. So you are our trust people in Brussels. You are the antenna. You tell us yep. what the important issues are. You develop the positions. And we will tell you if they are okay or not. it's, it's not the other way around. you see the, you see the difference okay yeah. Yeah. Well, we interpret it this way the mandate we have at least this is the way I've always done and it always it, it did work okay uh, And like that, I know I have a strong mandate and I have quite some autonomy uh, because you know if you cannot react in the public discussion fast enough, you're not going to be able to to counter the arguments of whatever. If every time you have to run, you know, a three-week consultation, every single sentence you say, okay, it's not going to work. So you have to consult your members. You have to have solid grounds. You have to know you have to be able to pick up the phone in any time if you are unsure that you are saying something sensitive. So you have to have the trust. But you also have to have a, a strong mandate to be able to raise your hand and say no, sorry, we disagree. We disagree because we think this is and that. So yep. it's 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 a it's a it's 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 um it's a difficult uh, part sometimes because it's very narrow. Yeah, exactly. but The only way you can do it.
1: Yeah, and it's a really hard balancing game to do because. Again, you want to move quickly and you do have the trust, but also the industry, per se, it takes a while in order for the processes to develop and for the legislature to actually happen and so forth. Um, On this note, in your organization, what's the time horizon you think in terms of given your specific industry of advocacy? Uh, so previously we talked about the fact that some SMEs might not uh, feel like that's appropriate for them because they think that laws will have an impact in five or ten years. Uh, and also you said previously that you're more like an internet company that tries to be fast, try to move as uh, quickly as possible to be nimble and to uh, make decisions quickly in order to like uh, stay in this space. Um, so with that context, whenever you make decisions as an organization, uh, what's the time horizon that you think in terms of how long into the future? Is it a quarter? Is it one year? Is it three years? Is it five years? How do you how do you look at the time horizon usually?
0: Well, we have to have uh, different timeframes, different scales. Uh, We have to have a long term strategy.
1: Mm
0: Okay uh we have in fact a manifesto which was approved by our members in 2019 which was the manifesto for the future of Europe's economy digital economy um which was uh, coincide with the European Parliament election so there is a mandate uh, of the European Parliament and this manifesto was supposed to cover that mandate that no? mm-hmm. legislation uh, and um, so we have a long-term cycle so to say okay and then we have a much faster cycle uh, which is interactions uh, that are quite quick Mm -hmm. and can be done on a daily basis because we have to be part of a public conversation which evolves you know the, the Political conversation, if you like, which evolves very, very fast. Absolutely, because you cannot and you don't want to be, you know, commenting on every single thing. You're not, you not that type of organization. Um, but you know, whenever it is relevant, you have to be quick. You have to be to be able to to issue your statement. You have to interact with uh, the others, and that happens on a much on a much faster. Um, Time
1: frame. Yep, absolutely, and uh, uh, I think uh, that's something you learn to manage over the years, and uh, you learn to uh, navigate that narrow line we talked about earlier, from between being really quick but also um, holding uh, the things that matter. And you have definitely offered value to this space. You have obviously offered a value to this industry over the course of over a decade you have been in business so congratulations on that Um, and I think it's relevant for all of us uh, to maybe for you to share what's the toughest thing you learned about this space about this industry about this ecosystem over the decade that uh, you have worked in it
0: well, the, the, the most difficult and most challenging thing is that, uh, that you cannot uh, go out and say that you are the voice of, of SMEs and you cannot expect you're going to be alone. Uh, you cannot expect you're not going to have competitors, and mm-hmm. which is fine. Uh, what is really tough is the fact that you will have competitors and most of your competitors will be organizations uh, which have much more money than you Yep. and which are actually paid by your worst enemies, by mainly the big tech companies to claim they speak on behalf of SMEs. We have a bunch of organizations, especially here in Brussels, which are very well paid, very active, very visible, uh, which claim to represent SMEs Okay, or startups in the tech sector, uh, and we know there is a lot of information about it that they are actually on uh, the payroll of big tech.
1: Hmm.
0: Okay, uh, we have uh, names of at least four organizations which have been already accused publicly of uh, the name is called big tech astroturfing. Um, there have been articles, uh, even recently uh, one on Bloomberg and on several other newspapers. There have been letters signed by members of parliament um, asking to ban such organizations from the European parliament. Um, however, even though some people know there have been public uh, you know, accusations and so on, still these organizations are very well funded that we were connected. They have much more, you know, much better funding than us, frankly, and a lot of knowledge which come from, you know, again, the experts from, from Big Tech. And so we cannot afford to monitor every single meeting, every single place, every single statement they will do. Uh, sometimes they will even talk to our own members. They will send uh, very nice, perfectly redrafted letters saying, okay, if that legislation passes that way, uh, the SMEs are going to have very negative consequences. And if you read and you don't know the topic, you say, they are right, we should sign this letter. And they circulate this letter, say, okay, we are asking for signatures to these joint letters to defend the interest of, of SMEs. And sometimes our members call me, and say, Cristiano, what is this? We don't know this organization. They seem to have arguments which make sense, but do you agree or do you not agree? I say, no, no, sorry, don't, don't sign that letter. It's very dangerous if you do. Um so, but of course, very often they will call me, they will ask, they will they will ask me, but I cannot, we cannot monitor every single place that these guys go. Absolutely. Right? And this is what is really the most uh, frustrating thing then if you go and check the website you will see they have you know maybe I don't know um, two or three SMEs are their members and these SMEs are obviously you know uh, providers of uh, or, or clients of uh, you know of, of Amazon and, and so on so but uh, and you have to go and check and look who's where the money comes from and if you if you do the proper research you will find where the money comes from right? the problem is that uh, politicians sometimes are very lazy they don't do it and this is a scandal to be honest with you um and they engage with these guys okay. not all politicians not all civil servants but some do and uh, they have all the means to do their due diligence and to check who they are talking to and they don't
1: this is all a very, very interesting space. And this is one of the most insightful conversation that we have so far. I deeply appreciate that, Sebastiano. Uh, on this show, we do have a tradition. Before I let you leave, I have to ask you this question. In the ecosystem that you're a part of, if, we, if you could remove just one boundary no questions asked if it would be completely possible to do no questions asked if you could remove just one boundary which one will it be and why yeah okay Uh, boundary i think
0: i spoke about Trust uh, mm-hmm. because a lot of what we are doing is based on on, on gaining the trust from from organizations. Oh. And one thing I've seen, uh, one boundary, one limitation that I've seen to that is um, that uh, people tend to have uh, tend to trust uh, a, a little bit more. You know, people coming from the same culture, from the same country. So um, there tends to be a little bit of uh, of uh, an issue in building trust uh, when you are not someone from the same culture from the same country we work at European level so we have members from you know all countries and uh, especially you know when you think about the largest countries Germany France Italy whatever you see that in each of those cultures uh which are going to be particularly in these countries are going to be particularly influential of course when you go to a european uh, of course you can imagine germany is going to be more influential than luxembourg there is nothing you can do about it it's it's in the things and you need to get the trust from each of these, each of the nationals the people from each of these countries and naturally some people will be <laughs> will have, will we'll find it there. you know, even though you say, okay, but you represent European interests, yes, okay, but you're Italian therefore, you know, you're going to represent Italian interests no, I'm trying to represent European interests German interests, French interests, whatever and they will trust me if I was French, if I was German, they will trust me more uh, so it did take me a lot of time to, you know uh, gain the trust of people who tend to have you know uh um a bit of uh, you know prejudice stereotype uh, you know an italian will not trust a german a tri- a german will not trust an italian a french will not trust uh, someone from i don't know from from poland uh, there is always a, a little bit this uh, cultural uh, uh, atmosphere cultural connotation in in, in our work uh, which tends to be tends to be difficult of course i've been i I survived uh, many many membership many members many boards many presidents uh, from different countries and so i did manage to get the trust from from all the people around us but it's not always been easy Um, with some people it has been much more difficult than we than with others Uh, i've learned to work with different cultures and uh definitely uh i like europe because we are very very different and also very very similar um in, in a lot of respects but uh it's nice to see that uh every culture every country has their own specificities and unless you really try to understand those you will never get the trust of of, of the different people
1: absolutely and that's something that I would have never thought of, but you are absolutely right, because that is the basis of everything, not only uh, that we do in advocacy work, but also everything we do in general in business, and uh, the trust that we need to continue to be able to continue our partnerships and our business relationships, and uh, generally our relationships with the people here. But that is also the greatest opportunity that we have here, the fact that, we can build trust. And if we have that trust, amazing, amazing things can happen in this space. And uh, I always love this question because I get the most insightful of answers always. But with that being said, Sebastiano, it's been an absolute pleasure. I learned so, so much from this conversation. It was exceptional. And now I have to ask you, where do you like to send people?
0: Well, uh, the, the best thing is if uh, your audience is an entrepreneur or a company, someone working for an SME. I would say go to uh, digital SME .eu and uh, there's a button, click for membership, uh, either for an SME or from an association, a hub, a cluster. Uh, with that, uh, uh, you'll get a lot of opportunities you get to represent yourselves better, but at the same time, you'll get uh, access to funding, access to to networking, to partners, and so you'll be part of the European family of Digital SME. This is what really I, I'd like to see, you know, a, a, a much larger family, and I'd like to invite your your audience to, to join us.
1: We will make sure to have those details down below in the description. We'll also have the contact information for Sebastiano and I so very much thank you for your time. It was an absolute pleasure to have this conversation and I thank you for listening. Stay connected, internet people. See ya. You've been listening to The Audacious Ecosystem, the show where learn together what it takes to make an ecosystem great from the leaders in the organizations around us.